And there's actually like a long history of famous, like brave war heroes right. that were actively drunk during battles. You know, I mean, maybe it starts with Alexander. Alexander the Great was such a drunk that when he died, they didn't know if he was poisoned or that was just his body. <laughs> that, was, that was just happened. That could be any. <laughs> like that was just like how he looked most morning. It was like Keith Richards yeah, who happened to be like a strategic genius. Right. You know, that's why I'd be the perfect murderer. But like, yeah, like they brought in like a like a mortician or a coroner, like an ancient world equivalent or something. They're like, what do you think caused them? And he's like, this guy could be anything. <laughs> that's made him great. Welcome to the Blackout Diaries, a show where stand-up comics plus everyday people tell true drinking stories. I'm Sean Bear Flannery. And I'm CJ Sullivan. And every day here on the Blackout Diaries, we're going to have a hear a story from a uh, comedian or a non-comedian, as in today, was we yeah. Floyd the Mailman telling a, an amazing, legendary character. Legendary, six foot five, Wrigleyville, blonde, looks like Thor delivering the mail <laughs> to the Cubs. He's the Cubs mailman. Yeah, doesn't even work for the ma- for the post office. He just goes around <laughs> delivering mail, grabbing from other people's mailboxes, giving to other people. No, he does. He's a very, he work, works for the government. Um, but he's telling a hilarious story um, today. And we also have a theme. It's He has a heroic story. So our theme today is uh, drunken heroics and why we have a, this hero quality in us when we... Uh, some people, some people, it brings out the best. Yeah, and you want to help others, and you know, it, you know, there are tales of heroism. Some use it as a drunken power for good, absolutely. Yep. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Some historians and uh, that have been uh, heroic through alcoholism in <laughs> <and> our own <laughs> personal stories with that. And I'm with someone who's definitely an expert in that field, Sean Flannery, a man who roams the Chicago winter streets sometimes when he comes home and just. Just helping out cars and shuffling and just getting people unstuck. I used to love unstuck. doing that. I used yeah. to love doing that when I lived in the city. I would get uh, people unstuck uh, at mm-hmm. intersections, push, you know. Uh, <laughs> and that that's a great way when you do it because once you get the car, once you get it moving, mm-hmm. and it's 3 in the morning, they can't stop to thank you. Or, or we're just going to have a new problem. Right. So, like, they're always leaning out, you know, going, oh, buddy, I love you. You're the best. Yeah, you know, but you're never going to, you're like, you know, and you're just waving. <laughs> and it's such a happy exit. And just goodbye. think of me. Yeah, don't, don't, no need to stop. We can't stop. But just think of me when you get just that. Live a good life. <laughs> promise me That's, that. Promise me that. <laughs> And CJ Sullivan, I feel uh, you have a lot of these qualities too. Uh, you know, people might have brought up certain foibles you had uh, mm-hmm. back when you were drinking. But one thing I always noticed, you made sure everybody got shelter at the end of the night. You were great at it. it wasn't always their shelter, but you yeah. made sure that their head was resting in a safe spot. I would like, kind of like air traffic control. I would just take people, take drunken <laughs> bodies, and I would put them in different locations. Okay, listen, I need, to, I need to hold him for four hours here, <laughs> yeah. and then you can move him out. I would never. I would never worry you would about shuffle my, them around. Yeah, just shuffle them around, get them sheltered for a little bit, make sure everyone's taken care of. Kind of like an Italian mother feeding. I'm not, fe- you know, think about me last. I'm going to be out here in the streets. I just want to make sure everyone's well yeah. fed. Well, and you're you're like a you're like a barn cat. You know, like I'll <laughs> right. find a place. Yeah, I don't, worry, <laughs> don't worry about. I'm me. the last one you need to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so we both have. Uh, you know, our good qualities yeah. uh, when we're drinking, and we're going to talk about more about that. But first, who do we uh, who do we have again here, CJ? We have Floyd the Mailman. Oh, my favorite. Legendary story. He's got an amazing story of uh, her- heroism and uh, that only Floyd can tell. So Floyd was actually, so the Blackout Diaries uh, is, you know, as we as you know, a live show. It's been going on for 10 mm-hmm. years in Chicago. Yep. Floyd was one of our first non-stand-ups to ever perform at it, and he's always been a big part of the show. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, so. I think he he kind of defines the Blackout Diaries um, casting of like you know one of the geniuses of Blackout Diaries is the casting of the non comics, you know, the civilians, mm-hmm. and it's just people you stumbled upon like and come across, if you will, yeah. in drinking escapades in the city. Mm-hmm. And Floyd's a guy 
He knows more people than all of us. Like when we introduce, we like introduce yeah. him to other comics. Like, yeah, I know Floyd. You kidding me? Floyd got me out of he got me out of a jam one time. How the yeah. fuck does everyone know this guy? He's just you know, he's a mailman who's just like he's just he's the, a man about town. He is a man about town. He's literally <laughs> right. So without further ado, let's open up another chapter of the Blackout Diaries and get ready to hear from Floyd the Mailman. Hey, how's everyone doing today? Yeah! Rock and roll. All right. This story I'm about to tell you takes place in a place called Malta. Malta is about 5,000 miles from here. It's in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's a little above Tunisia, a little south of Sicily. It's a huge seaport. I went there on my 29th, almost my 30th birthday, and I wanted to learn how to cut loose. And I was going to go visit a friend of mine there. His name is Charlie Williams. We call him King Ridiculous because that motherfucker blacks out on a regular. So here's him accepting my, you know, asking, can you teach me how to get that fucked up? <laughs> So he does. We go out the first night there, and we're drinking 700 milliliters of uh, vodka. They sell them at 700 milliliters over there. And we chase it with the Red Bulls. We order another round, chase it with the Red Bulls. I've never drank vodka and Red Bull before, but it got me fucking juiced. <laughs> so we go out, and on, my, on the way towards now, this bar that he's going to take me to, I decide that it might be a fun idea to steal a car. <laughs> A delivery guy is uh, making his delivery. He runs out of the car, leaves it running. I'm like, uh, opportunity knocks. So I go, I get into the car, and like the steering wheel's on the other side, but as Sean told you, I'm a mailman, so I drive those little ice cream trucks with the wheel on the other side, so it's a natural for me. So I get in, I'm like, drive it to the top of this hill, and I just leave it there, because I'm not going to steal the guy's car. I'm not an asshole. You know, I will, will move it on him and teach him a lesson. Don't leave it running, you know? So I come running down the hill, meet up with Charlie, you know, we're laughing. We go to this garden, and once again, I got to take a piss, and it's public urination time. So I'm pissing in a garden, which I didn't realize was uh, some kind of memorial thing. A couple cops come over, and they want to arrest me. They uh, ask me for my passport. I lie to them. I'm like, I don't have my passport on me. They start speaking Maltese. Charlie runs over. They make an agreement that I got to show up to the police station the next day with my passport. We'll be all good. They'll take care of it then. This is the closest I got to the police station. I just took a picture of it. You don't fucking turn yourself in. <laughs> not in a foreign country. Not in this country, man. You know? So we go to this bar. I'm fucking ripped to the tits. I'm going to go up to out there. <laughs> so I walk into this place. and Boom. I see her. And she sobers me up, man. I'm like, fuck, I want the fuck. <laughs> so I go right towards her beeline. And I'm usually a little bit more shy guy when I'm talking to girls, so I bet I, I'm drunk as shit. I'm on Red Bull carrying me through. And I go right up to her, and we're just instant passion. Dancing, laughing, drinking. It's a discotheque. You know, it's all going on. We start kissing, man. It's very energetic and passionate. All of a sudden, she tells me, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't do this. You made me remember what it was like to be. And I was like, what? I didn't catch on. And she said she was brought here under false pretenses. She goes on to tell me that she was, a few weeks ago, brought over to Malta, but she thought she was coming to America. And now these guys, and she starts looking around the room, and I start noticing all these dudes, black, slick back hair, young, old, whatever. And they make her go out and meet people, and they pay to be with her. So I say, do you want to do this? And she says, no. So me being the guy that I am, I say, oh, I'm thinking in my head, I know Charlie's boss has got a sailboat, and he's letting us use it. He's out of town. We're going to go sailing in the Mediterranean. So I'm like, I can get her out this way. So I tell her this. I say, you want to get out? She says, yes. So I tell her my plan. She's like, oh my god, really? I was like, yes, let's do this. So now we're hanging off to the side. And we're waiting when the handlers aren't looking. We sneak out the front door. We get out that front door, and this girl turns ecstatic. She is happy. She's clutching. She's like, oh my god, is this really happening? I'm like, yes. So this is Malta's hilly. So it's long hill up there, whatever. I cling to the darkness, because I'm not stupid. And I'm walking with this girl, and she's holding my hand, and she looks so beautiful in the moonlight. I'm like, you're doing the right fucking thing here, man. This will work. And I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, when we get to, you know, Sicily or Italy, wherever we go to, do you have someone you can call? And she says, yes, you know, I got, yes, yes, I can take it. I was like, good, good, good. So as we get out, all of a sudden, I hear some kind of ruckus. I turn down, look down the hill. One of the handlers has come running out of the place. Clearly, he noticed that one of his tricks was gone, or whatever they're called. So uh, I think the trick is the guy that pays. So I don't know what she's referring to, but... Uh, all of a sudden, he looks up. I'm looking down at him. I'm like, all right, baby. We get to the top of that hill. It's only about 200 yards away. We start running. We can make it back. Not a problem. Before I start going, a pair of headlights come down the hill. I'm like, my instinct just tells me, fuck, that's for us. He's running up the hill. Car stops in front of me. This dude gets out of the car, and it's one of these tiny little cars. It's an aerial shot. Best I got. But my, my wingspan, 
fender to fender on this car. So, I don't do that in my hand anymore. So, I think maybe I do, I don't know. I think it's, I might have broke that. So, this guy gets out, he's about 6'7", he's taller than me, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm all drunk, but I'm trying to keep a stoic face, and he's like, how the fuck is this guy operating this car, you know? Blackout occurs, I don't remember shit. Next thing that I remember, I'm back at this bar footloose. She's not near me anymore. So I come walking up to her and I'm like, come on, we can go, let's do this, it's our time to go. She turns around, she looks at me, she's perplexed, she's got like kind of tears in her eye. And she's like, no, 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 please, please, thank you. You've proven to me there are still men in the world and uh, something about chivalry's not dead. She gives me a kiss on the cheek and says, go, they're gonna kill us both. Turns around and she walks off and I'm like, okay, fuck. I have an adventure that night, but we'll tell that later. So three days, flash forward, I'm complaining my wrists and my ankles are killing me. Like, really hurting me a lot. And I'm like, what the fuck, Charlie? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, the, the sea air and the humidity and the heat and stuff like that. A lot of people are arthritis, it hurts. I'm like, all right, whatever, cool. Last day there, it's Sunday. We go to this place far off on the island, it's way away. His friend Simeona drives us there. We get in there, a bunch of girls, a bunch of dudes in black, and I'm like, ah, whatever, let's just go and hang out. All of a sudden, all these girls start coming over to me, and they're dancing. I'm sitting on this couch, and they're all dancing around. They're dancing low enough to like show me if they're wearing panties or not. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, These girls usually hit on Charlie. He's easier on the eyes than I am. And like, well, all right, well, I'm just play with it. You know, and all of a sudden, Charlie comes up with three drinks, and he's like, yo, dude, Mo, they, they, they paid for this. They're buying drinks for us. I was like, all right, cool. Finish my beer. I go into the bathroom. I'm taking a piss. And some guy walks in, his young Russian, he's like, oh, so you're the New Yorker, huh? And I'm like, I'm from New York, yeah, all right. Maybe Charlie's telling stories out there, I don't know, I don't get it. I come back out of the bathroom, Charlie finally makes his way back over to us, he's like, yo, Mo, these guys just keep asking about you. And they know you're from New York, they know you were a criminal, and they know your real name, like your whole name. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so all of a sudden, young guy calls us over and he's like, yeah, you know, this, this dude wants to meet you, the oldest guy in the place, shakes my hand, he's like, so New York, huh? Yes. I was like, yes, you know? Shots, beers, everybody, the fucking gangers are drinking, the gangsters are drinking, me, Charlie Simiano. Then he invites me back, come to the villa, we're going to have a party, the women, cocaine, whatever, you know? I'm like, I don't fuck hookers and I've done enough cocaine in my life, I don't even leave that shit behind, you know? <laughs> I've been spying this little bronze skin girl who's been kind of giving me a coy eye, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go down and talk to her. So I go and talk to her. Her name is Maria, she's a Brazilian British girl, which is like, sorry, it's like fucking a southern girl. She's got this British accent, but she's like tan, you know? So I was just like, this is just, I gotta do this. I gotta hang out here, you know? So I'm talking to her, Charlie comes up and he's like, yo, Mo, 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 let's go back, man, come on, look at all these girls and the cocaine. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna do it. These girls come over trying to lure me, I'm not gonna do it, because I got this girl. So finally I talked Charlie to give me the keys to his flat. He's got only one key to what he told me about it earlier. I ended up sleeping on his porch like two nights there. Anyway, so he gives me the key. He goes off with them. We go off on our way. The next morning, all of a sudden I'm waiting for Charlie because I got a flight at like four o'clock. I'm going to Amsterdam. And he is late. And he finally comes in. He finds me in bed with this girl and he's just like looking at me. And I'm thinking he's just strung the fuck out or pissed off I got this girl in his bed. So I tell this girl, hey, let's go down to three trees. It's a taxi cab stand. Go get you out of here. Come back, Charlie's looking at me the same way with these wide eyes, and he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, what? And he's like, what the fuck did you do to one of their cars? Boom! It just comes back to me crystal clear. Guy gets out of the car, you know. Uh, she's holding my hand real tight. She lets go, and she starts saying in English, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm new, I'm new. This guy here, we were going to go have sex in a courtyard. He's going to pay me. We're going to give you the money and stuff. And I realize in my head, she's speaking English, so I know what she's saying. This guy yells it in Russian. Now they start speaking Russian, and these two guys are clocking me, looking at me. So I'm just, you know, it might be my first time in Malta, but it's not my first time in a situation like this. <laughs> So I'm just keeping eye contact, like, they're, they're looking at me with heat and I'm just real cool. And in my head, I'm running all my facts, like, where the fuck's Charlie? I'm in Malta, I'm in the Mediterranean, they can cut me dick to nose and throw me in there. What's going on? What do I know about Russians? Oh, I studied films a lot in school, man, so I know a lot about Russian film, it's paying off. They're very chauvinistic people, they're very male-centric and shit like that. They're still arguing Russian and stuff. I'm like, they can't have guns here because it's under British law. Ah, oh, man, it's gonna be nice, nothing's got anyone in their hands. So it's a fucking numbers game, it's five on one, I'm shit out of luck. Are there any weapons around that I can bludgeon these people with? Let's do this. And all of a sudden, it just comes to me. Boom. I go to the one guy yelling at the girl in Russian. I was like, hey, hey, you understand English? And he's like, of course I understand English. And I say, good, good, good. 
Because you want to know why a fucking pimp is the lowest form of criminal? You want to know why? In the whole underworld? It's because you have to have a woman do your fucking crime. You understand that? So then I said, me? My name is Floyd Michael Mosicki. I built an empire in New York from age 16, and I do this. And I raise my hands up, and this fucking tall guy gets out of my fucking way because I think I just got the crazy eyes, and I'm fucking... And I just put my hands on top of the car. Boom! And I fucking smash the roof into this car. I'm like, I do this. I don't have to ask for permission. You would have to ask for permission. Boom! And I'm punching out the door. I'm kicking the fucking hair sideways off. I go around to the front. I kick the fucking grill in. And then the coup de gras, I fucking take an elbow and bash it into the fucking window. Smashes the window. And I'm testosterone and adrenaline's running. I'm like, breathing all the oxygen around me. I'm like, let's do this. You know? All of a sudden, she acts first. No one knows what to make of this situation. She grabs me by the hand, and she starts saying something. She walks me all through the crowd, and I'm clocking everybody. I'm like, yeah. She gets me out of this whole situation, and that's it. Now I tell this to Charlie. Charlie's like, yeah, that's what they told me. <laughs> and I was like, so what did you tell them? He's like, well, you told them the truth, so I'm going to tell them the truth. You know, and I lied a little bit, too. You know, make you seem tougher. And I was like, oh, fuck, thank you. So I was like, what did they ask about me? He said, hey... You tell this buddy, your friend of yours, this man, this man in the linen pants. So I was wearing linen all fucking time in Malta. You're in Malta. You gotta rock it. You ask this man in the linen pants, you tell him that there's always a job for a guy like him and he doesn't he doesn't have to deal with the women and be a dog because I was calling those guys in my tirade, you're fucking dogs, you're dogs. You know? You know like, I don't fear you and your pack of dogs, you know? So... He's like, you tell him he's always got a job for a man like this and he doesn't deal with women and he doesn't have to worry about the car. That doesn't matter. What matters is we find a guy like him. And I'm like, all right, cool. Charlie takes me to the airport. I fly off to Amsterdam and I'm flying there thinking to myself, shit, man, you know what? At least at the very least, I know I always got a job. And I'd like to say that uh, I've earned a lot of nicknames in my world and my life and what I've done. And when I finally leave this world, I think I would like to have written on my tombstone, here lay the man in the linen pants. <laughs> Thank you very much, people. Thank you. And we're back on the Blackout Diaries. That was Floyd the Mailman, a.k.a. the man <laughs> in the linen pants. <laughs> With a hilarious story, <laughs> how he always has a job in Malta. <laughs> <laughs> and we are blessed and lucky to have Floyd the Mailman, the man in the linen pants himself, with us in the studio here. Floyd, welcome to the Blackout Diaries with CJ and Sean. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, gentlemen. Oh, of course. You, Sean, um, Floyd, I think you were, was Floyd one of the first non-comic Floyd guys? is uh, a huge part uh, of the show's history, yeah. whether he knows it or not. I'm sure I've told you this, Floyd, drunkenly. But, um, yeah, so, like, in the Blackout Diaries, we, we always wanted to have stand-up comics plus everyday people telling true stories. And the Chicago Reader saw one of the show, our first shows, and Floyd was on it, mm -hmm. and he just had an outstanding set, like every, like you just heard, and uh, the reviewer's best friend, he brought all his like his high school buddies from yeah. Cincinnati, and they were all mailmen. <laughs> <laughs> really? So like, yeah, they like fell in love with Floyd. Like they all went out <laughs> drinking after us. We went to uh, so, and then we just got this glowing review right. uh, the next week. So Floyd is a, a big part of the success of the Black. Not Out Not only that, I think Floyd just uh, epitomizes the Black Out Diary show of of being like the guy. You know, you, you got to meet this guy. We just met like at a bar. We want to put him on the show. His story's crazy, but yet all these comics knew him, and every he just everyone just knew him, and he knew and he knew yeah, us. Yeah, everyone saw. It, it's interesting. I always introduce you to people, and they are they always know you. But already. no one knows. But no one knows how they know him. You know, there's never an original source. Yeah, and they you never just knew know you him. under a different name yeah, too, somehow. Just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, Actually, like I, what that you talking about? Mo? Mo's yeah. one of my best friends. Right. <laughs> he is memorable, though. He's a big man, rides a motorcycle, he's a mailman, and he's got these Paul Bunyan-type, Bill Brasky-type stories. And this Malta one was amazing. So I think... Floyd, yeah, I, mean, I, remember, uh, I remember meeting you two guys, man, for the first time. I was at the mm -hmm. Beat Kitchen. Okay. I, I, just sat, I just sat down, and I remember I was with another uh, fellow comedian, and uh, he pointed you guys out, and I had just seen CJ do a set. 
And I was like, well, fuck, I want to talk to these guys, man. Like, you're telling me this guy does storytelling show? So I just sat down and started talking to you guys. Right. And the funny thing is, these guys are like, how do you just go over there and just talk to these these, these two guys? You don't know them. They're like big names in Chicago. You and, you and Sean. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. They're just two yeah. dudes drinking beers. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't care about the ego of it. I was like, I tell, I t- I tell you how you did guys. that. Because uh, 10 years earlier, you went to Malta to learn how to cut loose from a guy named King Ridiculous. That's how. How I mean, you, you think, <laughs> you know, you think, true. you think two Dude. fucking bums at a bar are going to intimidate you? Let, let me not. tell you a quick one about Queen, King Ridiculous, though. Yes. Uh, now that you old, brought him up. Please. Old chart. So, yeah, just so you know how he. Uh, all right, so I got a phone call one time from my buddy Tommy. I was actually at my mother's house. Mm-hmm. So he calls, uh, fuck, he paged me. This is, <laughs> he sent me a page. Nice. So I called from one my, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I called from my mom's house and I'm like, what's going on? And he's telling me that I got to come pick him up from a company picnic that uh, Charlie took him to. It's Charlie's company. And yeah. I'm like, fuck, I'm all the way out at my mother's house, man. It's, it's you know, not, not close to the city. And he's like, actually, I'm near where your mother is. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll come scoop you, you know. I come pick him up. Charlie's not there. I'm like, what happened to Charlie? Charlie had to leave earlier with the police because uh, (laughs) Charlie uh, was saying something and got choked on the hood of a car by a member of this family party they were at. It was at the uh, CEO's family's (laughs) picnic. Right. The uncle who choked him was a priest. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you imagine pissing off a priest that bad? Yeah. yeah. Then he was like, fuck this, takes off the collar, puts it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's I'm more common, I think. Now. Yeah, I think it's more common, though. Pre- I, know, I know some pretty aggressive priests that think, like you throw it down. They're, they're, they're pent up, and, and they can get off scot-free. Not too many yeah, priests get what thrown are you going to do? You're going to punch a priest? Not too many priests right. get thrown in jail, as Sean's uncle can tell you. That's why he yeah. poses, poses as a priest for his uh, driver's license. To get My out uncle did the, the opposite of what uh that is when when yeah when he would get pulled over i think i've told you this story floyd uh, yeah so he would go to the dmv he would wear a priest costume to the dmv so that his license he looked like a priest so he would get out of tickets <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sheer genius man yeah and it, it really is that really is brilliant that's flannery but the Boyd problem well. is he had to like memorize the route to like every parish in cleveland because like they'd always be like the cop the cops want to help you so they're right. like let, let, i'll drive you you know i'll have my partner drive your car where you at we'll get you home safe father like you know you don't want to be out on the roads right now. You're too drunk. So he'd have to. He'd be like, "Oh, I'm at uh, Saint Donovan." Like he would always just say whatever the closest one is. You know, <laughs> that was a good Irish Catholic drunk, right? Oh, yeah, man. that he was. Would not because it's funny, Floyd. Like I love when you tell me these stories after the show, or, or I share with you because I, I, uh, you grew up in Buffalo, which is a very hard drinking. A yeah. lot of people don't who haven't visited don't understand how it's one of the few. It's got to be the smallest city in America. That has four AM bars. Oh yeah, I, I, I <laughs> right. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's hard drinking, and 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 no one like, and no one bats an eye. And I'm like, you know what? They deserve it. They're in Buffalo. <laughs> no one's like, they should slow down. Like, nah, go ahead, Buffalo. You know, you do you do whatever it is you got to do to get yeah. by up there. You guys get 19 feet of snow, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, then of course, for all the sports fans, the four Super Bowls didn't help with the drinking. Yeah, yeah. everything about Buffalo was just pure, no, it's just, no it's just anguish. Hockey, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's just anguish. Exactly. <laughs> I was dating this girl one time. She was from uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And she went to whatever University of Michigan that's there, and uh, she was just so oh you know I took her to a wedding and she's like oh, I told her I said you know don't try to keep up with anybody and she's like I'm from Michigan I can drink anybody under the table blah 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 and all this stuff. Man, so we go through the whole day, whatever, the whole the whole rigmarole. She's holding fine. Uh, finally, my buddies come to pick me up after the wedding reception is over because I'm in town, and it's like 2 in the morning, and I'm still going to go out because the bars are open at 4. And she's like, you're still going to go out? I'm like, yes. Yeah. So I take her back to the hotel. She's holding her own because everyone's there. We get in the elevator, and she literally just falls on me. She's like, oh, my God. They were drinking at the reception, between the reception, before we got there, after. I'm like, I told you. It's just nonstop. <laughs> she, she could not hang for the whole night. So I, I put her to bed and met my buddies out. <laughs> I uh, I have a cousin who got married in Buffalo, and they invited a – it was like some distant cousin to be the priest. Was not from Buffalo. Not familiar mm. with Buffalo. <laughs> Huge mistake. Not he familiar actually, with their culture or their <laughs> actions. He forced the, the groom to do a sobriety test. What? 
before yeah. the wedding because he caught one of the groomsmen <laughs> drinking in like the chapel sure, uh, portion sure. of that. So he's like, "Well, are you are you drunk now? Right now, yeah. groom?" He's like, "No, I'm I'm not drunk." He's like, "Well, have you had any beers?" He's like, "Yeah, I mean, it's Buffalo. Yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had some beers." I'm you not know, asking just... for a tattoo here. I'm just trying to get married. <laughs> what are you talking about? Let's get through this. How else do you think I'm here? Of course I had some beers, right? It's Buffalo. <laughs> but yeah, Buffalo's uh, like a, a crazy... Because you went from Buffalo to Chicago, and now you're in L.A., so like that's a different bar experience, right? Yeah, Buffalo and Chicago are very much the same. L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I only know it post-pandemic, so... Yeah, yeah. that's true. Right. Yeah. We'll get in L.A. a little bit. Let's get back to Malta real quick. Before yeah. We, sure. I don't want to waste too much time with it, because it it's such an amazing story. It's obviously one of the best ones we've ever had. Um it starts right off with two two amazing crimes: car theft by you, and then human trafficking. You're witnessing like all within like you know the first couple hours of this evening. Like, all right, well, we're gonna be in for a for a long one. And then uh, you get through. You free you free the woman. You be the knight in shining armor. Your stories always have these grandiose quotes too. You know, like where you're you're the uh, this amazing hero that we're all we're all looking up to and that we all that we all need basically that we all you know, we all deserve. I believe. It's almost like a video game, like where they have like you know those old like '90s Nintendo bad dudes or something game where the quote will go across the screen real slowly, like the like the like like the type of like, like only you can help us, Floyd. There's still men in this world. Chastity is not you know chastity. Chivalry is not dead. And then they're gonna kill us both. And like, it's up to you to save the day. And then you go back to your knowledge of Russian movies and you save the day by smashing a car. <laughs> yeah, well, I, first off, on that first point, you said uh, stealing a car. I don't know. I, I just kind of uh, moved it up. No, no, you just moved it. <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but it's like true, you though, said, I did technically it, steal right. it. Right. I mean, if you if they left it running, it's on. It's it's definitely on them. It's a crime. Yeah. It's a crime not to move that thing. It's a crime <laughs> to. <laughs> I didn't want to have to do it, man. It was you know, kind of like necessary. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like in poker. They say like it's a crime not to take a sucker's money. Like you, it's 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 even worse <laughs> to let them keep it. It's to let them to not I, t- learn their lesson. I always find it hilarious when you watch like those eighties like. Uh, like if you're into like British noir at all or anything like that, it's just mm-hmm. so funny that their criminals have to drive around in those teeny little cars. Like I feel like that, that's why you could always kind of respect the American mob. You know, like they always have big Cadillacs, big and, long and cars. Lincolns, you, gotta, you, gotta, know, you, need, you need trunk uh, space for bodies too. What do they do with the bodies? Yeah, you can't be sitting knee to knee. Right, they put them in the passenger seat up in England. But I did love that line, Floyd, when you smashed a car, when you're re- recollecting smashing the car, or whatever, and you go, when you just the old, I do this, which is like that kind of Pete Weber. That's who I am. I don't ask for permission. You do, which means, which means these pimps also smash the cars, like with their fists and kicking windows. But they first have to ask for permission because that's part of their job. And. Uh, you're a free man to be an ant. You're a free, absolute Hulk out there, King now, Kong. Floyd, is that one of those stories where, like, you look back at it, like, uh, the next day, the next week, and you're like, you know, if I was a little bit more sober, I'm not sure I would have handled it that way. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, man. Where you, where uh, maybe you underestimated the danger you were in. No, I, I, when it came to it, I just like, uh, I got this thing in me where if I make a decision, I just follow through with it. And okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, I feel that like there was no better way for that to have happened. Absolutely. You know, if I would have done something differently, I may not be sitting here telling the story right now. Hesitation, yeah. co- hesitation causes fear, Sean. And That's if, true. You know, the, the mob and dogs can <laughs> smell fear. <laughs> and you do not want to give it off. <laughs> or fear causes hesitation. Whatever. However it goes. Whatever it's supposed to be. But uh, whatever Swayze so, says honest, point be, break. Thinking on it, man, like, I, I think it all began with, like, uh, I didn't know what to do because they were speaking Russian. Yeah. Right. And I, I asked them, I said, do you, got, do you understand English? And to be fair, I'm thinking on this now. I really haven't really thought about that until Sean just asked, like, what, what I, I think I got that from uh, Kurt Russell, Big Trouble, Little China, mm-hmm. yep. where he's like, "You guys savvy English?" <laughs> I, I, just, I used to love that movie growing up as a kid. Oh, amazing movie! Somewhere amazing movie. In, in the drunken whatever, I was like, "Be Kurt Russell," <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> "Be Jack Burton." <laughs> 
And yeah. you were. I yeah. mean, you were. What Absolutely. You know, Big right? trouble like, in little Malta. You're very similar. <laughs> right. You have a look to them. Now, you returned to Malta since then, right? Oh, yeah. Have you ever looked? Have you ever looked them up to get a job? Have you looked that girl up? She's probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, she's. Uh, uh, yeah, she did <laughs> I, well. I will say that. So I went back. I think uh, twice. Now my buddy Charlie used to uh, hang out and drink with these uh, mobsters for a while. There, sure, he's king ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they were you know asking about me, but I never. When I went back, I was like, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I got out of that situation. What Some connections deserve to it? stay in the past. Yeah, no, right. Yeah. I don't, I'm yeah. not saying you should have took a job. For, I do. I do hope you told them. I wish I could already have a job. I'm a mailman, actually, back in my old and they were like, what? The right? They were saying, Jesus, mailman, mailman in America must be absolute maniacs. <laughs> Well, Floyd, let's talk about that a little bit because every time you you uh, you you um, tell a story at the show, people are are kind of fascinated with that that you're you're a mailman. You've mm-hmm. been a mailman for for many years. Like you're, it's one of those jobs you can retire young, right? Like, are you able to retire oh, in ten years? Man, well, do you really want to get into all that? <laughs> well, I don't. I, I just yeah, love yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. of Floyd being a six foot five. Like like blonde haired retiree soon on foot Thor mailman <laughs> yeah. and you get in a route did you have and, to get <laughs> and you used to work Wrigleyville too so like you're a yes. huge dude like like very uh, striking visual just going through Wrigleyville what was that like uh, it depends what part of Wrigleyville you're talking about Boys Town you're talking about all the bars are <laughs> yeah <laughs> was there any conference too, I imagine there's a lot of confrontations going on in mailman uh, just because people are just angry anyway. And yeah. like, there's there's certain jobs where they feel like they can lash out on. Yeah, that's true. You, know you got to take mean? it. You got to take get, it. I can right. yell at you. Exactly. Oh, I think you mailman's one of it. a couple no, of them. You can see it from a while, a while away, too. Like when they're waiting for you to come down for the mail, and they got that look of impatience. <laughs> they're just waiting to yell. But, I mean, I, literally just two or three days ago, man, see, I, I don't really take it, uh, to right. be honest with you. Like two or three days ago, I had some gentleman uh, start bitching to me about a package that was scanned delivered, but he never got it. Mm-hmm. So he's yelling and screaming, and the first thing I say is, whoa, calm down, man. Bring it back. Let's just talk. What are you asking about? So he tells me about the scanning. The package is not delivered. I said, all right, man, we'll get to the bottom of this. You know, no big deal. I said, you know, we'll find out where it is. I said, you know, what wearing on me is GPS. When I scan it, it lets me know that it's here or whatever. So whoever scanned the package will be able to find out exactly where it is. It's not lost. Don't worry about it. And he starts yelling and screaming about something, or whatever. Yeah, I, he's like, "That's know. not the answer he wanted to hear. I want to, yeah, well, I want to, I want to get an argument, and I don't want it just yeah. to be solved." Yeah. <laughs> anyone so who's he, waiting, gotta, anyone who's waiting at the mailbox for the mailman, you know, is just already oh, crazy. Yeah. He's like, he's already oh, yeah. okay. We got somebody here. This guy's crazy. So he, he walks, he walks off for a little bit to do whatever he's got to do, and he's kind of like calmed down a little bit. And then he turns and yells at me, and what are all you assholes going to do when the electricity and satellites fall out of the skies? You ain't going to be able to do nothing because you don't got your phones. I said, sir, you started this conversation based on a technology question that you asked me. And he's like, oh, you're a smart ass too. And I was like, yeah. What are you, what are you assholes going to do with the satellites? Yeah. That's amazing. I so I, told, I was talking to his neighbors about it because the neighbor loves me. So we're talking the next day, and she's like, oh, he's an old drunk. I can't wait till he fucking moves. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I just love someone waiting for you. That's amazing. Uh huh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Any of the stereotypes? I, um, we were talking about your motorcycle. I, being, I think I told you this, show because we're both in LA, me and Floyd. And we had a not a meeting. We were going to have lunch to talk about this Blackout Diaries podcast, and mm-hmm. or in the show, we're also going to get the LA show going. And uh, I, I never know where to, to. I just picked some place and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it was kind of in Hollywood or West Hollywood or something like that. That was a busy street. Yeah, it was a very yeah. busy street. It was a pretty bad selection of my of my voice. But I'm just sitting outside, and I, and I just, just keeps lapping around this motorcycle, this loud-ass motorcycle, like West Hollywood, going, there's nowhere to fucking park around here the whole place is looking at. Like, the whole place is looking at it. It sounds like a goddamn, you know, this... Teamster truck coming through, like it sounded sound like a chopper gang coming through. It was just a one man Floyd. Like, where do you got to park? All right, order me a taco. Order me. A He's just going around like, all right, I'm just gonna get up and park with you or something. I was like, I can't be. Don't act like you know me, please. <laughs> but it was great. I, that was it was partly my fault, but also I kind of wanted to see it happen as well. What do you ride? I love what do you watching- ride, Floyd? What do you ride? Oh, you were in a, you were you were in like a motorcycle gang here in Chicago, right? 
Yeah, I was. I was actually the uh, only white member of an all African American motorcycle gang. Really? Was, well, are you allowed to tell, say what the gang was called? Or yeah, the uh, old school road players, spelled O L S K O O L. And how did they? And how did they? That's awesome. And how did they let you? How did you get involved with them? Uh, I approached, you know, just approached him at uh, what was that? Twisted Spoke. Yep. Twisted oh, yeah. Spoke. Yeah. yeah, I know that bar. Great bike bar so, in uh, Chicago. Oh yeah, what a, it's the got one that on, skeleton motorcycle on top, right? The one on May. So I, uh, yeah, yeah, I was mm-hmm. uh, working on a uh, film project and I was doing like sound editing. We went there for drinks after, and I was talking about needing a shot with a bunch of motorcyclists, and there these guys were. I could see all the bikes out front, and I was like, oh, it's got to be these guys. So yeah. I started talking with them and. Then we started riding. Well, <laughs> and they brought you in. There you yeah. are, the yeah. uh, the boom I think it was operator. Was a novelty for him? Yeah, yeah of well, course, uh, of course. I bet I, I thought it was hilarious just as much as we. Oh, did. dude, we, we were riding down the, in the West Side in a, like a parade, and yeah. there's like a Chris Rock joke where he talks about like the one white guy hanging out with uh, all the African American people, and like yeah. people are like, oh, what what did he do, right? You know, to, right. to hang out with these guys. So like all these kids and all these people are, it's like the, the, the ride is like, you know, 50, 60 bikes riding and everyone's like waving, waving, waving. And eventually they just see this one white guy like, (laughs) (laughs) the looks at everyone's faces just changed. Uh, And I'm like, man, I'm seeing that same look a hundred times today. (laughs) There's a guy, that must be their insurance agent right there. Yeah. Someone has to to provide. You're in good hands. (laughs) Oh, what was your? Do you, uh, are you assigned a nickname when you when you join a biker game? What was your nickname? Uh, they, they went with Mo. Yeah, like his all okay. yeah, all of them nicknamed. There was uh, the professor was like a uh, who was he? he was a private eye actually. There was a guy named Grumpy who was a uh, truck driver. There was Tank. I can't mm-hmm. remember the rest of the name. These guys sound point. great. A private eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these guys sound great, man. Oh man, yeah, That's they were out amazing. of they weren't far from Juliet. Oh, nice. That's how you do it. All right, Floyd. Well, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything you want to uh, tell the people besides the mailman? <laughs> mail well, you have a, you're on a podcast regularly. What pod? Do you want to plug your podcast? Oh, sure. I, I do a bunch of characters for a podcast called The Umbrella Holics. You'll never, there's uh, one or two where they interview me like this or I talk like this, but it's mostly right. I do uh, the character voices. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And we're going to be in the process of starting that LA Blackout Diary show live. We're going to. Uh, Floyd I just can't, will be I, a big part of that. I, I, I don't know if I want that show to actually happen, or if I just want to do scout locations with Floyd <laughs> and just go to different Elks clubs and different places right? and just have those nights and make that the show. Just the storytelling of us trying to find the funniest room to do a blackout diary show in LA. Oh, I'm sure we can get some stories out of those Elks people. Right? Every location oh, we've sure. scouted so far, the staff that we've talked to thinks they've just been fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, those are the kind of places we're looking at. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining, Floyd. It's always great to have you here. Uh, CJ and I will be right back on the Blackout Diaries. And that's the man with the linen pants. And we're back at the Blackout Diaries. This is Sean Bear Flannery with CJ Sullivan. Floyd has just left us. Um, Floyd has left the building. Floyd has left the building. Floyd has left the building. He's on his Harley, and he's the, Mo is gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and that brings up uh, one of our favorite points. Uh, we both love hanging out with people that have multiple aliases. Yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> uh, you know it's funny. I just converted to an iPhone, uh, first iPhone, or whatever. You know, it, and it's where it combines all your contacts into one. Like, mm-hmm. so if you have five different numbers for one person. You know, it says this could be Sean Flannery, Sean Bear Flannery, mm-hmm. Sean Flannery, whatever, S Flannery, whatever, you know. Sure. It comes across when you call or text like that. And so, like, I love that with like people like Floyd. It's literally five different names. This could be Floyd. <laughs> this could be Mo. This could be, uh, you it's know, great. The it's probably, mailman. like, I, I love it because it's a signal that you don't want any aspects of your multiple ways people know you to cross contaminate. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, he knows me as this person, he knows me as that. Right. <laughs> um, but this brings up, we love to have a segment called Open Invite, where somebody makes the news, the national news, mm-hmm. for getting drunk and doing something that we feel needs to be heard in the Blackout Diaries. Yeah. And this falls into the multiple alias, uh, CJ. I would like to extend a Blackout Diaries Open Invite to Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Well, Celine Dion. That'd be, a tough, now, that'd, be, that'd be a tough get, Sean, but she... A lot of people will... I, I, was prepared for you to say that. You see, I'm not actually speaking about the legendary singer. I'm speaking oh. about the drunk UK man <laughs> yeah. who changed his name to Celine Dion during a bender. <laughs> 
legally. He le- a guy got drunk and legally changed his name to Celine Dion. Apparently, in the UK, you can do this online, which is <laughs> a little worrisome. Let me. A Celine Dion super fan in the UK got drunk and legally changed his name to hers. I like, then promptly forgot about it. Yeah, that's great. I like how you say it. it's it's worrisome because you're talking to yourself right now. Because if, if I know I can do that, that is. I would probably be banned, <laughs> or, or they'd be like, "You have a name change pending already." Right. <laughs> Really? Fill me in. Who who was I yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's interesting, CJ, because as you know, I added my wife's name to my own name, which is why I'm Sean. Yes, you're very, you're very close to changing. So, uh, but. You know, in 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 Illinois, it, w- it was a cumbersome process that I'm not going to get into now because we don't have time for. It. But when we went in for Ohio to do Jess's name change, I didn't do my name change in Ohio. I did mine mm-hmm. in Illinois. But when Jess did her name change, they make you. Uh, when you get the marriage certificate, they make you raise your right hand, and the first question they go is, uh, do you swear that you are not cousins and not drunk? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only two we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I love And then when you say, yeah, we swear we're not cousins, we, 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 Jess and I both burst out laughing. I, I, we thought right. she was joking with us, and then we realized it's, yeah. it's actually serious. So then, No, that's a common so problem, then, sure. <laughs> You say no, and then she's like, "Okay, congratulations on your marriage. Let me see your documents." And I'm like, "So this happens often enough that they need to get that question out of the way before <laughs> right. they can even congratulate you." Yet. Sir, like, you, you know, need before surprised. we, you know, launch the balloons, I need to to answer a couple questions. But here, I guess in the UK, they let you just do yeah, it. Yeah, let me hear a little more about. Let me hear about more Celine Dion with his his name will go on. As they say. He said he spent much of the pandemic watching concerts while at home, including one by Dion over the holiday that was accompanied by a magnum of champagne given to him by a friend. That's going to explain a lot, he told the reporter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While enjoying oh, the show, man. he plunked down 89 pounds, about $122, and officially took her name via an online application. However, the details are a bit fuzzy. I honestly, hand on heart, don't remember doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching the concert and getting rather tipsy, and that's it. I love that. Sounds like me. Tell you what, I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I, I mean, Oh, you know what? Because he didn't find out till three weeks later when he got the official confirmation uh-huh. paperwork. I love that. Pro- uh, you know what? I-, I bet you I know when I did this. <laughs> Let me check Celine's calendar, see if she was in town that day. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got tickets, I remember, a year in advance, and I was looking forward to it. <laughs> I, oh, this is great. I wasn't aware I had done So he gets the, the right. official paperwork weeks later. England has changed his name. The country mm-hmm. of England has changed his name. I wasn't aware I had done it until I had found that envelope in my post, he explained. Initially, I had to sit down. I couldn't believe it. So then I checked my bank, which confirmed it all. <laughs> so he That's has to great. call his bank uh, and be like, hey, am I really Celine Dion? Boss, um, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my two weeks in, but I found a replacement. It is Celine Dion. So you just go change all the paychecks to... This is amazing. I mean, you have to still call yourself what? What was his real name here? Um, Thomas yeah, Dodd. Tom Dodd quit. You you have to call yourself Tommy Dodd. Like like you can't date online and actually go by Celine Dion, right? Or or fill out jobs. Well, like, oh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, he says here he got a lot of lot of letter lot of uh, voice messages from fans. It's crazy fans. So I mean, oh really? By not the worst strategy ever. <laughs> he said what? He said once it sunk in. I signed it straight away as I bloody love her. Like, he redid it. Like, oh, man, I did this. So he signed it. Things have been pretty crazy over here this morning. I currently have paparazzi camped outside. And he goes, his inbox is full of Celine Dion fans asking me to record them a video message. Yeah, he moved to a small town. He said it's called quite a stir. Tell it when I have to tell them my new name. <laughs> my mother, of course, was not best pleased at first. <laughs> but now she sees the funny of it. My friend said, my friend said they're not surprised. <laughs> It was only a few weeks back I hired an Elsa from Frozen Tribute to perform on my driveway for me when I was drunk because I was bored. Anything is possible. <laughs> this guy's this guy's sweet. He, he rated things he can. Yeah, he has fun. He loves Disney musicals. He loves Celine Dion. You know, just pure, clean, drunken fun. <laughs> well, Thomas Dodd and or Celine Dion, however you prefer, yeah. uh, we would love. Both Celine Dion. We would love. Yeah, we, we, we would want you to perform under your legal name, I think, you know, for tax reasons. Um, we would love to have you at the Blackout Diaries. You will always have an open invite. Uh, Blackout Diaries Live, of course, 10 p.m. every Friday at the Lincoln Lodge. Hopefully we will 
Yes. Get a response from that guy. I do know that little note. Like, has Celine Dion reached out to you? Yeah, no. No, Celine Dion <laughs> hasn't reached out to me. <laughs> I'm sure people have brought it to our attention, too. Yeah, I'm not going to contact this man. He's crazy. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah you know crazy. crazy fans I have? I'm I don't want to enable <laughs> right. the legal shit. Ch- like, I don't want people to see this is how you get in touch with me. <laughs> that you legally change your name. Because then it'll become like aspirin, right? <laughs> M- remember how right. aspirin used to be you yep. know, used to be a trademark name, but then everybody started using that, and now mm. it means nothing. Aspirin does mean nothing. That's great. So uh, Celine Dion would come to mean nothing if she you know, encouraged people to all change. If we all changed our name to Celine Dion, Celine Dion becomes meaningless. Yeah, let's take the power out of Celine Dion's name. It's like taking the word back, you know? <laughs> So that was Alice's, and it is about the Blackout Diaries, the open invite, as you mentioned, Chicago, which I was just back in Chicago, and uh, I hosted it one week. I was a guest next week. Fantastic mm-hmm. time, of course, to go to it. I bring that up because then, during my times, I went out to uh, visit you out in the sub. You're in the suburbs. You're out in Oak Park now. It's technically the sub. It's weird. Oak Park borders. It, it Like, I'm four blocks away from the Chicago border, and mm-hmm. the L connects to my house and everything. But it, if you say Oak Park is the city, right, and you're talking to somebody who was born and bred in the city of Chicago, they will flip their lid. <laughs> that you're true. calling Oak. But then yeah. it's what's funny is when you talk to somebody who's out in the far suburbs, like Naperville, and you say, I'm in Oak Park, I live in the suburbs too, they're like, whoa, 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 right. whoa, whoa, whoa. 80s, that is not the suburbs. 80% of Chicagoans meeting each other is defending where they're from and claiming, like, <laughs> totally, what part We of have the so fuck many fucking rules about right. it. When you add, like, if somebody comes up to me at a show and goes, where do you live? Yeah. I go Oak Park. And if they don't know what that means, I'd be like, all right, well, before I answer that, I got to know where you're from. Because <laughs> I could start a fight on accident based right. on how I phrase this if I don't know your background. Uh, so anyway, I made the trick out to Oak Park. You had a Labor Day barbecue. You invited uh, me, my friend Kyle, who's in town, and uh, Ken Barnard. Uh, we went out there from the city. We made the trek to the city to see you in your uh, suburban glory. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And... Uh, I was aware of this, of the of your new kick, of your specialty when you order to make a drink and you make uh, Negronis for everyone, for uh, Kyle uh, Ken. Uh, that's my favorite cocktail, and yeah, I feel it's, it's the cocktail I make best. That's your new thing. It's your favorite cocktail. You get, your specialty is your <laughs> And Kyle, I, I always, well, Verse and Shauna, they want to be a part of the whole Flannery experience, but they don't really understand. Like Now, like when he says he's an expert at this, just know you're just going to get a pure glass of liquor, of the strongest, you know, drink. <laughs> <laughs> of what it is, he's not, he's not a mixologist back there. You know, he will have a mint or something, but it's it's going to be pure alcohol that you're drinking. And that's exactly what it was. And he was just like, "Oh my god, well, you don't have to finish it. Just you know, put it in a fucking <laughs> tap it behind the sippy cups." I mean, I do <laughs> have a healthy pour. I don't. I, I do have my own pour. Yeah, get into the get into the whole Negroni thing. How'd you get into you know, so it? So a Negroni's famous cocktail. Mm-hmm. In fact. We, we've been talking today about drunk heroism. Uh, Negroni was invented by an Italian war hero, Count Negroni. Yep. Count Negroni. Who won a very famous battle. I can't remember what war it was. I think it was in like one of the Prussian wars. Everybody was fighting <laughs> Prussia back then. <laughs> the the dickheads of just Europe. For the wars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, you know the, the 18th century is just straight up Nazi dickheads. Real Weisenheimers as Prussians <laughs> when it came to fucking battles. But uh, he created this cocktail, and there was a previous cocktail that is still pretty famous called the Americano, which is mm-hmm. just Campari, just vermouth with a little bit of soda water. And he right. wanted the this count. He's a war hero, brave man. He needed, much like I, yeah. how I pour mine, he needed a little bit more kick in it. Absolutely. So he said, I don't want any water in it. I want you to put gin in where you would put yes. water. <laughs> And then Negroni <laughs> that's was That's your born. specialty. Your specialty is a glass of gin. <laughs> that's what Kyle. That's what Kyle learned. <laughs> that is true. Um, but you've been ordering Negronis all around of bars recently too, and I love. And bartenders get excited when you order Negroni. Like, oh, I know what a Negroni they, is. You know you why know they, they love it? Because it's a classic cocktail. Yeah. It, 
and it's easy to make because it, it's just equal parts vermouth, it's one, Campari, two, three, right? And it's one, two, three. You put a little orange or whatever on top, you're done. It's not like I'm asking you to muddle anything. Yeah. I'm not asking you're you to, mixing. You're not putting the ice. You're not sifting. You're not sifting anything over. Yeah, there, multiple cups are not involved. Right. nothing <laughs> like that. Easy peasy. And that is what you think. The Italian cocktails are some of the most underrated. Uh, oh, I've about always the said Italian that. Culture. Always said that. Of course, Italian you food highly overrated. <laughs> Italian, Italian food. cocktails. <laughs> Highly underrated. <laughs> that's hilarious. Italian and that's food. Every, that's all you need to know about America, that we worship Italian food right. and not their cocktails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we barely, I mean, they barely drink their wine. Their, uh, what's their beer? Peroni? Um, yes. Yeah. That's not bad either, but it, you only have a couple. It's of not. Those. I mean, they're known for light beers, right, right, light, right. light, crisp beers. But their cocktails. Uh, is where you think it's at. You hate the not hate the food, but it's overrated. <laughs> I'm going to go on record that I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does weigh you down. I'll, 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 at least I hate America's interpretation. I'll get behind. Yeah, I'll get behind that for sure. They, yeah. they, they bastardize the pizza. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And the pasta shit, the way they do it, they, they, you know, you can't move for a week after an Italian <laughs> fucking beer. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, they definitely jerseyed up the Italian Italian food. You go over to Italy, their pizza looks like a fucking burnt hockey puck, but it's the most delicious thing you ever had. You know, it's all weird <laughs> bastardized shape, you know, and they're little dishes, but yeah, and you're sipping tiny little cocktails with it and everything. The best everything cocktails you've ever had. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So that yeah, was... He was it, go ahead. He was a famous war general. Yeah, and, uh, you know, today we're talking about, like, kind of courage, mm-hmm. uh, bravery, and drinking. And there's actually like a long history of famous, like brave war heroes right. that were actively drunk during battles. You know, I mean, maybe it starts with Alexander. Alexander the Great was such a drunk that when he died, they didn't know if he was poisoned or that was just his body. <laughs> yeah, that was just happening. That could be any. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just like how he looked most morning. It was like Keith Richards, yeah, who happened to be like a strategic genius. Right. You know, that's why I made the perfect murder. But like, yeah, like they brought in like a like a mortician or a coroner, like an ancient world equivalent or something. They're like, what do you think caused though? But he's like, this guy <laughs> could be anything. <laughs> that's made him great. That is so funny. Yeah. I like you were, ta- you were talking about Hannibal. Uh, uh, Alcohol was involved in his war plan. Yeah, I love just plans that that uh, strat- strategic heroic plans of winning battles. Is if we can go back, it's basically all because of alcoholism. Hannibal and his elephants. Hannibal, yeah. known as one of the most uh, one of the best st- war strategists ever, really. And all, yeah. he, and all, and his and his plan was to get his elephants hammered. <laughs> and he just for the battle of I think it was this. I read it somewhere. It was the first battle of the Second Punic War, and he got his elephants hammered. So they would be drunk and they would just stampede the Roman, his Roman adversaries, in which they did because these elephants wouldn't do it normally. So they busted through, and he became uh, an absolute genius. I mean, just imagine saying that, like, like, okay, what do you need to raise a military? Right. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to need ten thousand soldiers, <laughs> three hundred brewers, <laughs> yeah, and so, some elephant, a couple zookeepers. Yeah, we're going to need. Like, s- what is this guy creating? <laughs> some pool-sized vats uh, that elephants can <laughs> yeah, get out yeah. of. Yeah, because you can't just give them little pints. Right, yeah, right? What that'll gonna, take all day. Exactly. You can't just give them fifths. They got to <laughs> fucking, they got to they gotta stir that trunk around and uh, some beer so they can stomp on some Romans, which they did. Uh, another one I like is was Paul Revere. And, yeah. Um, well, all those dudes from the Revolution drank a bunch. Like the Boston Tea Party mm-hmm. happened after some legendary Boston bar called Last Call. They just <laughs> threw them out. It was called something like the Yellow Dragon or something right. was the bar. But um, yeah, it was just like if Boston had a later Last Call, we might still be under the crown. <laughs> We'd be mourning the Queen's death, you say. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I always say whenever anyone goes, nothing good ever happened after 2 a.m. Oh, really? Name one good thing that ever happened after 2 a.m. Um, I look them right in the eye and I go, how about America? America. <laughs> I mean, there's no dr- more drunken plan ever than getting on a drunken horseback ride, wake up the entire oh, yeah. town to scream bloody murder that, listen, yeah. let me warn you, everyone, the British are coming, they're going to tax our rum, this rum mm-hmm. that we've been drinking. <laughs> or, or, or the Boston uh, Tea Party is just as drunkenly hastily planned. Remember how like they, they disguised themselves as Indians where they had like three feathers or something like that? <laughs> like no one believed it. Not, not even sympathetic <laughs> press believed it at the time, you know? Look how it'll totally work. Right. <laughs> But our favorite general, we have to say, of uh, one of the greatest generals of all time, who was a pure alcoholic, Blackout Diaries Hall of Famer. That is Ulysses S. Grant. Hall of Famer. Saved the Union. Mm-hmm. Drunk the whole time. 
drunk. There's some historians that that think him being drunk was a benefit, right? Because that, that brought his fearlessness up. Yeah, which, which is what we say. You know, uh, that are you know you call it drunk courage. Yeah. Uh, in Europe, they call it Dutch drunk. I don't know if you've Dutch ever drunk. That. That's an old school term. Dutch drunk. Yeah. You don't hear that, like, you don't you, hear that you're much. You're just anymore. brave right. because you're you're you're, uh, you're drunk, and and that is kind of what I don't know if bravery is the right word, but there have been studies on this mm-hmm. on. Uh, why drunks can become more brave, and scientists say they're not brave at all. <laughs> That's not what's happening. Yeah. But what happens is your brain slows down to the point where it cannot assess risk. <laughs> so you just have no idea how much danger you're in. Right. <laughs> you're just dumb. Which would go back to Floyd's story, probably. Like, he might have spoken differently if he knew he was talking to the fucking mom. <laughs> right. He wouldn't have uh, called, uh, what did he say? <laughs> he, didn't, he wouldn't have... Uh... Called a pimp a the lowest form of criminal to his face because <laughs> you have a woman do your job for you in a different country if he was thinking of repercussions, you know, because we alcohol just makes you dumber and you don't think about the actual consequences. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. This is, um, I'm gonna read like this one quote, uh, from this study, but, uh, Alcohol consumption significantly reduces the amount of anxiety you feel in social situations, so you're more confident. Mm -hmm. And then, more important, when you drink to the point of intoxication, you lose your ability to detect threats. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to describe being drunk. Hey, baby, that's why Grant won Shiloh, the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. (laughs) Yeah, he was a hero, all right. It was also a fucking massacre on both sides. And uh, he got it done by whiskey. So much where Lincoln wanted to send all the armed generals in the Union Army, whatever brand of whiskey Grant was drinking. He loved it. Send it everywhere. (laughs) That, that, That is ours now. Um, well, even our own founding father, CJ, this is one of my favorite stories because this right. is a recent story. Yeah, this just came out. You know, I, you know, have so. you noticed that, um, I always find it ironic that in modern America, they say, oh, people want to elect the guy they want to drink a beer with. But like a lot of our right. presidents, we, we, they always say that when somebody like Bush wins or Trump wins exactly. and both of them are teetotalers. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And now Lincoln was a teetotaler too, but uh, although I will say for Bush, he became sober later in life. He was he looked like a he looked like a pretty damn fun drunk. I bet when he was drinking, videos, he'd be a blast. Yeah. he would be a blast. <laughs> w was, w was I'm great. sure. There's this video of him online. He's like at a wedding or something to party. Like, oh yeah, where he's talking to the couple. He's like, oh, only in America should she even find work. She's like, she's a runner, boring person, no personality. <laughs> like, like, this guy's gonna be the fucking president. He's a gov- I think he was a governor at the time, <laughs> in Texas. Anyway, let's um, get into but Washington. General was a big drunk. General George Washington. Of course he was. He was a badass. And uh, this story came out recently. It was uh, like recently within the last like 10, 15 years. Right. But uh, they were doing construction on some super old tavern. I think like one of the oldest continually operating taverns in America, if not the oldest. Yes, it's the and Philly City Tavern. I think I think it's called the City Tavern in Philadelphia. I know about this place, and they did, okay. they did a replica of it. And I guess you know they they had a wall there, and then it turned out it was hiding like a very small room that had records in it mm-hmm. from over 200 years ago, and one of them was a bill, like the receipts for Washington's re- Washington decided to retire from the military before he assumed the presidency, right. and it was his retirement party. And the headline is, let's see here. <laughs> uh, how George Washington ran up an $18,000 bar tab two days before signing the Constitution. <laughs> That's the thing about the Constitution, dude. They were all drunk when they signed that Constitution. Oh, God, yeah. A John Hancock signature. That's, good. That's, a, that's a drunk man trying to be an asshole. <laughs> I do that too. One of those autographs, drunk. I'll give you a fucking autograph. You know, make yeah. it real big. Yeah, or they, yeah. Like whenever you have the office uh, birthday card, you got to sign. Some asshole <laughs> right, like exactly. is, is doing that, and you're like, okay, well, I'm reduced down to this corner here. I'm like writing my name as an L. <laughs> so an eighteen thousand dollar tab for his retirement party, but you're going under service. You go, well, I want to, I want to be this president, whatever the hell that's going to be. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure his wife would say something like, "Why do you need a retirement right. party?" You know, you got to go sign this document in 48 hours. Listen, my buddies want to say goodbye to me. The old regiment. One wants to make a painting of me crossing a river or something. I don't know. It might be famous. So $18,000. How do do you rack up an $18,000? And that's, that's, we should say, per uh, inflation adjusted. That's that's inflation adjusted. So that is 
it might be a little bit more now. I think that was actually right. when ten this story happened, which was like 10 years ago. But this is what's amazing. <laughs> like, so they weren't at like some sort of elite yeah. special place. Like, that was just $18,000 uh. <laughs> worth of retail beer and wine. And it was only 55 guests. But listen to how much they drank here, CJ. Uh, 54 bottles of Madrid wine, 60 bottles of Bordeaux wine, uh-huh. 8 bottles of whiskey, 22 porter ales, 8 bottles of hard cider, 12 jugs of beer, 7 large bowls of punch. <laughs> oh, and there was $300 in glassware. <laughs> $300 in glassware. Just, just put that on a tab. Listen, we didn't know if we were going to break that, but for future considerations, we know it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> That reminds yeah. me of uh, uh, Shaw, the one of the one of the crazy parties we had like that. That's basically like that. It was an open open tab celebration. It was for uh, it, yeah the, the legendary Pat Bryce, his first uh, birthday show. We did at the I think it was a year after he passed. I think that's what it was at the Lakeshore at the Lakeshore Theater. Uh, yeah, I think it was about a year. Pat had been dead for about yeah, a year, and it was it was, like, be it was pretty birthday. recent, right after he passed. And it, yeah. it was at the Lakeshore Theater because it was packed. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, right. the Lakeshore yeah, Theater, which is now the out. Laugh Factory, up in uh, if you're in Chicago, so it's a huge yeah. theater. We we did something that is the closest I've ever seen to like mm-hmm. a famous like comedy scene, right. like from the Blues Brothers, <laughs> where you where they you end up owing off beer. It was supposed to be a ben- Pat had a friend uh, yeah. that was battling That's cancer it. at the time, and we were going to donate. You know, we sold out this. Uh, show and we were charging twenty five dollar tickets and we're like, well, we don't want to make, we don't want to appear to be making money right. off Pat's name, <laughs> right? So we were going to donate it to this. Plus, we uh, already got his credit card from when he died anyway. Yeah, we were using that. <laughs> so we we're going to donate this happen. cancer fight, and uh, it turned out they were charging the comics for beer, <laughs> and we had drinking away all the profits. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was the Blues Brothers thing. Yeah, well that tab is going to cost you. Well, no, no, we're on the performer tab. No, yeah, no, we know the performer tab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then we end up into it. We raised even more hell at an after party to a bar called Wilds, which is then there forever now. But at the time, it just opened. It was a soft opening. It wasn't even. Yeah. It was. It had been open for twenty four right. hours. And then we in in the entire city of Bridgeport in the South Side of Chicago was basically there. They all crossed the street from the Lakeshore Theater, now the Laugh Factory, over to Wild Theater, over to the Wilds Bar, and they and they they. This is such a soft opening. Like when we when we opened the doors, like the staff was almost lined up, ready to greet us, like in their shirts, like hand, oh welcome, like welcome to the neighborhood, like we're glad yeah. to be here. And they when we come in just. I mean, <laughs> absolute. I bet it had to be scary. Yeah, it was terrifying. Just a ball comes <laughs> flying in. And that's when I, um, one guy, John, who was Pat's old roommate at one point, had this huge, hilarious, deep voice, this demonic voice. He, and these other guys. Were rich. But, he, but he looked he looked like a model. Yeah, that's I, We should explain it But, home. you know, so you would see this guy who would always be well-dressed, looked like a model. But he was not It was a weird, but it, like. Like, like, it's just like the, it was like Tom, like a more aggressive Tom Waits. Right. <laughs> like an angry Tom Waits. Yeah. <laughs> he had, a, he did this one thing where he, he has a tray of shots, of Jameson shots, and he's just coming through the dance floor. There's a section, there's some sections you just couldn't be in because it was just too violent, you know? And that yeah. was, it was one of them. He's going through, people are taking shots and putting it back on a tray. And then he had a whole glass, he had a whole tray of empty glass shots and he just, when he was done with it, just launched it across the bar, open like an open glass shattering. And then there was this one guy who looked like he was in this Irish mob. He just had a roll of hundreds, just giving it to waitresses. Here, yeah. every time he yeah. saw and something and that looked like it would destruction, cost money, he would just give the waitress a yeah. hundred. He did it when he first walked in. Like here's two hundred dollars. Like, What's this for? Like trust me, you're gonna need it. Put it on the tab. We're paying for damage crazy. before it even happened. Yeah. Trust me. You see something that looks right. weird, you come you're, see me this again. This guy was, you, know? you just listen. <laughs> don't don't explain. You know, I'm sure you're right. Whatever it is, I'm. It's, I'm just, I don't. I believe you. Listen, we <laughs> le- we believe you. But take this money, and he would just yeah. pay them off. And in this poor bar, while wow, it survived it, but they must have been thinking, what did we get ourselves into? We thought this was a nice area. We're up <laughs> in Boys Town for crying out loud. <laughs> It's goddamn entire South Side is here fucking smashing out windows and they're happy. This is them celebrating. No one's fighting each other and no one's angry. This is them yeah. being happy and they're just punching each other and dancing and, and smashing things. Oh, yeah, we're celebrating a death. <laughs> 
people were wandering <laughs> off. I remember, like, speaking of getting shelter, like, I went up north, and there was just people was wandering the streets, and I remember <laughs> I was just first dating Aaron. She was just grabbing people, putting them in, here, you stay here, you know, whatever, like, for a couple hours. I just, I know, <laughs> I know this is a foreign land to you up here, this north side, but you can't, you can't just be walking in the streets like that up here. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I probably told you this at some point, but I, you know, I went home later that night. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Jess was, uh, um, I think Colin was a newborn. Right. Uh, and uh, so Jess was like kind of up when I came home. And she was like, how was it? I'm like, oh, it was a blast. It was great. It was great. She goes, was it real crazy? I'm like, nope, nope, pretty pretty under control. Yeah, and I'm just like blackout. I can't remember anything. Right. You know, like that's just like a study. Then I um, I go to bed, like the lights are off. I go to, and we, <laughs> we wake up. And on my whole chest, somebody has drawn... Like a print, like a human face. Like there's just a human face <laughs> drawn on my. So at some point, I had my shirt off. Right. That's right. I, I, that, I remember that point in your shirt off, actually. And, and somebody and on top drew of the ta- You're on top of a table on that front room. With the, there, was a, there, was a, there was a that front room where the glasses were getting shattered, where you had to be on top of tables just to get through. And it was just like, I just wanted to get to that. I want to go talk to that person over there. And so you would table walk <laughs> like on top of it. So, so I like someone. So someone drew a face on your chest while you were standing, but not unaware that this was happening. I'm talking to someone else. Not passed out. Like not on on the bed. Right. Drawing on a man while you're having a conversation with another party. <laughs> just not acknowledge. No one acknowledging it. Oh. Oh my God, that is amazing! All right, we're gonna have to wrap this up, Sean. Yeah. We can talk about this anyway. Um, we are the Blackout Diaries, Sean and CJ. Make sure you go to the show in Chicago at the Lincoln Lodge every Friday night, and um, get Sean's book, "Places I Can't Return To." Follow all of us on all of us, both of us, <laughs> on the on the, uh, on the social. Oh media yeah, and videos. CJ, make sure you mention uh, you have a new. I listened to your first episode. You have a new podcast. It's great. Yeah, uh, it's the little bottom p- bombs. The bottom I always line loved the bombs. Written ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. The written ones. Um, Bottom Line Bombs, it's an NFL pick uh, contest. It's on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, Bottom Line Bombs was a thing I used to write where I'd pick NFL games through comedy bits. You know, I I look for the bit. What's the the funniest matchup? What's the funniest matchup? What's the funniest joke in the thing? You know, Mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't really produce winners as much, but it does produce (laughs) entertainment. Any system? Yeah, and at least we're laughing. Exactly. And now I've realized people don't like to read, so I'm doing it in a podcast form. So it's called the Bottom Line Bombs. Well, I think it's great. So make sure to check that out too. Thank you. And. Give a, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't given us a review yet, give us a review, please. That helps us out a lot. Yeah, we have to say stuff like that. Smash, subscribe and review. Yeah. Smash that subscribe button and <laughs> follow us on the socials. Anyway, all right, we'll be back in the Blackout Diaries. Uh, that's it. Starbanes Avenue, a podcast network.